1: and it turns out the easiest choice for you learn more at howlifeunfoldscom papertarian.
0: getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets real steel Offer valid of on select AK Systems. sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Down the left field line, it is gone. How about it? Are you kidding me in this ballpark, number 31. Wow. That is just, that is old Albert right there. That is just hit on the button. And like we've been saying all day, you just can't throw the ball down the middle at this level.
1: I wonder how many of his 31
0: home runs he's hit here hit that ton. A bunch of bunch of
1: them. Boy, I sure hope you had the Cardinals' individual run total at over 17.5 on Sunday. I know, you just squeaked it out, right? But thanks to Albert Poolholes against the Pirates, you got there. I wonder what the odds were on Albert to Homer twice in that game yesterday because... Had I known, I would have bet it, and I wouldn't be here today. Do you realize he is 13th all-time among players to have homered at PNC Park, and that includes all the Pirates who have ever played there? That stadium is 21 years old now, you know. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. after an 18-4 loss for the Pirates against the St. Louis Cardinals. And no... It's not their worst loss of the year because they lost 21-0 to the Chicago Cubs earlier in the season. Keep betting against the Bucks, Although, although, I will say, and we'll talk about this more coming up a little bit later on, you might want to avoid that strategy for the next couple days. I'll explain in a little bit. Download the BetRivers app today or go to BetRivers.com. Log into BetRivers.com to receive a 20% live profit boost on any French Open wagers. Some MLB-boosted bets. Juan Soto or Mookie bets to hit a home run was at plus 163. Now it's plus 180. Kyle Schwarber to record a hit in an RBI versus the Braves, plus 188. It is now plus 200. An NHL-boosted bet lightning to win the first two periods versus the Panthers. The bets lose, if that's a tie, by the way. The new bet boosted to plus 585. And sticking with hockey, I can't believe the Hurricanes and Rangers has been an all-under series so far. The fact that it's 2-1, yeah, I can see that. I've got that as a seven-game series. I've got some money riding on the exact outcome of seven games there. But I just can't believe that there have been so few goals scored. And I can't believe that there have been so many scored in Calgary versus Edmonton as there have been. It regulated a bit yesterday because Mike Smith played well. But I bet there is another game like that game one somewhere in this series before it's all said and done. I bet you we get another 6-5 in overtime, 7-4 kind of game before that thing is finished out. It just has that feel to it. And I don't bet away from that understreak with the Hurricanes and Rangers just yet. I ride that sucker until further notice. Nothing about that series suggests that there will be a change there. And I hope the Rangers win game four to even it up because then I'll get to my over five and a half games in the series bet on that one. That'll automatically qualify at that point. I'm rooting hard for St. Louis tonight at plus 140 for the same reason. And I think the Blues do win tonight. If the Blues win, it cinches a sixth game, and I go over five and a half there. I'm not feeling as sure about that as I'd like, though, because Bennington is out. That's a problem. Vili Huso replaced Bennington in game three after the Blues goalie got run by Nazem Kadri, and he gave up four goals on 23 shots in the 5-2 loss. Huso... Did pitch a shutout in his first playoff start against the Minnesota Wild in Game 1 of their first-round series. A 37-save effort, but his save percentage in back-to-back losses to the Wild before Binnington replaced him in Game 4 was just 848. I just need one game out of the next two to make me happy, Billy. So just come through. Just I need one out of two. Get it over 5.5 and, and the exact winner in six games for the Avs in that one. I'm heavily invested and this one going at least to six, then finishing in six. I got very specific on this bet. I'm having fun with it, and I hope it lands that way, but I need a little help from St. Louis's backup goalie, and that's asking a lot against the Avs. I did read Tampa beating Florida quite well. I picked the Lightning in that series at plus 145. I never had them being up 3 to nothing though. That's a stunner. In fact, I took a series-specific seven-gamer there I assume that money is just lost at this point. Tampa minus 129 to close him out. Why not? That's not expensive at all as far as I'm concerned. What life have you seen from the Panthers whatsoever? Even Patrick Hornquist can't generate much. The former Penguins shut out in this series, and he has just one goal and one assist in the playoffs. This is normally his time of year. As for the Penguins, Brian Rust, he's in the fold. A six-year deal, just over $5 million per year. That's stealing. That's stealing. As far as I'm concerned, now a lot of questions are popping up in the wake of Russ' decision to resign with the Penguins. One thing isn't up for debate, though, and that is that this is a good deal for Pittsburgh. The franchise is keeping a two-time Stanley Cup champion that has 73 goals over the last three years, plus he's a guy that can play effectively with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. The six-year term seems long. Russ will be 36 by the time that contract expires. But the five point one two five million dollar cap hit per season is surprisingly affordable. Many projections had Rust making at least six million per year, and finding any top six winger that would be worthy of replacing Rust in free agency or via trade will likely cost just as much, if not more. Look, for example, at Jason Zucker. He's only scored twenty-three goals over his two and a half years with Pittsburgh. And he'll make more than Rust next year at 5.5 million. But will there be a ripple effect? Is there anything that can be gleaned from the team's decision to keep Rust in terms of its goals to also keep Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang? If those exist, what does this mean for Ron Hextall? You know, those kind of questions are certainly in play. There are some tea leaves to read about what this signing has to say about the future of Ron Hextall as general manager. Many are wondering. If the team's new ownership, Fenway Sports Group, wants to keep Hextall in that position, yet he just signed this contract, a significant contract. So that leads me to believe that he's the guy that will continue to be in charge. We'll talk about all that at length with Mark Madden of 105.9 The X for our Madden Monday podcast shortly. Also in the podcast, Madden and I discussed the fallout of Rust's deal for Ricard Raquel. We talk about the second round of the NHL playoffs, Steelers minicamp, college NIL rules, the transfer portal, and the Pirates 18 4 loss to the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday. Now I joked about the 17 and a half run line for the Cardinals, but my God, as a Pirates fan, what kind of torture was that series, huh? It felt like turn back the clock day at PNC Park for the Cardinals, and they were the visiting team. For the Pirates, meanwhile, time continues to stand still, though, and the calendar just never advances to a better year. Look at that series. Adam Wainwright spun a gem. Albert Pujols hit a pair of bombs in one game. Paul Goldschmidt went four for five in one game. And the Cardinals punked the Pirates for three straight games. The more life changes on the North Shore, the more it stays the same. The Cardinals won close, 5-3 on Friday, 5-4 on Saturday. The Cardinals won by blowout, 18-4 on Sunday. That beatdown on Sunday marked the second time already this year where the Pirates have allowed 18 or more runs in a game. The other one was when I told you about it uh, earlier on the podcast when the Cubs beat them by three touchdowns at Wrigley Field. So don't be surprised if later on in the calendar there's one or two more like that where the opposing team gets to 15, 16, maybe in excess of 20. Don't be stunned. It's the seventh time Bucko pitching has yielded nine runs or more in a game. Just because seating was only at 35% capacity and the game was only streamed on Peacock, there were plenty of witnesses to see that it actually happened. Pujols' first home run Sunday was an absolute bomb. It went 425 and hit the rotunda. We saw that before. Remember, Jimmy Anderson gave up one in 2002 to Pujols that I think is still traveling, still in orbit. Pujols' second effort wasn't bad either. 403 feet, kind of the same area, making the game 16 nothing at that point. And okay, it was off of Josh Van Meter, who was pressed into pitching duty as a position player, but hey, it counts. So Pujols now has 32 home runs at PNC Park. The most of any visiting player, Anthony Rizzo, of the Yankees and formerly the Cubs. Second was 17. Only Minute Maid Park in Houston has yielded more homers to pool than PNC Park has. He's totaled 92 RBI on the banks of the Allegheny, more than any other road venue during his career. His batting average here is 373 and his OPS is an ungodly 1.17. Goldschmidt had a four-hit night on Saturday to boost his average to 342. Like pool holes, Goldschmidt has just gaudy numbers against the Pirates. He's hitting 313 lifetime with a 960 OPS, 18 home runs, and 68 RBI in 96 games against the Pirates. And then there was Wainwright and his latest dismissal of the Pirates lineup. And route to a 5-3 cards win on Friday, he gave up No runs against Pittsburgh through six innings before Michael Chavis homered off of him in the seventh. That was the only run he'd allow leaving the game. That's Wainwright's 23rd victory of his career against the Pirates more than any other opponent that he has faced. Since the start of 2019, the 40-year-old is now 10-0 against the Pirates, and in those 11 starts, he's given up just 14 earned runs and has done so in 78 innings for an ERA of 162. His strikeout to walk total over that time is 70-17, to 17, and he's allowed only four home runs in that span. Those numbers include six innings of shutout baseball on opening day this year as the Cardinals blank the Pirates 9-0. In four starts last year against the Pirates, Wainwright allowed only one earned run over 30 innings. Pujols is 42, Wainwright is 40, Goldschmidt is 34, so they can't keep torturing the Pirates forever, can they? At least this year they can. The Cards are 5-1 and one against the Pirates already in 2022, with 13 games between them remaining. The last six games of the year are slated to be against the Cardinals, split between St. Louis and then Pittsburgh. At 16-24, and 24, those games won't be meaningful for the Pirates, but they might be for the Cardinals who at 23-18 are only three and a half games behind Milwaukee for first place in the National League Central, and they're currently in a wild-card spot. Anybody who might be battling the Cardinals for postseason play might want to keep that little nugget in mind as the final week of the season approaches if they get the Pirates seven times down the stretch. And Pirates fans should keep that in mind, too, at least in the case of Pools, who has said that he plans to retire at the end of the year It's only fitting that his Hall of Fame-worthy MLB career could be in the two stadiums where he's dominated more than any others. Yeah, I feel comfortable throwing Angel Stadium of Anaheim into that mix, too. That's where he called home for a decade between 2012 and 2021. But he tends to do a lot better here than he did there. That could be the case for Wainwright, too, and for Yadier Molino, plans to hang him up after the 2022 season ends. Goldschmidt, though, he's got two more years remaining on his contract, so that's wonderful. You know, I often wonder what guys of that caliber think when they come through Pittsburgh. That even in their advanced years, the Pirates are still going to be the Pirates. The low-hanging fruit has always been so plentiful for them to pluck at PNC Park. You know, it's still so ripe and exists just as readily as it has for so many seasons every time they come in here. While so much in baseball has changed in recent years as far as rules and trends and teams going through up and down seasons and things like that, one constant that does remain is how continuously players of their caliber can count on padding their already accomplished resumes whenever they come through Pittsburgh. And in the process, blowing out the often overmatched opponent that happens to call PNC Park home. Now, as for the Pirates today, in this series that they got coming up against the Rockies, I like runs. Both teams are in the bottom three in run suppression. The Pirates are last at 221 allowed. The Rocks are third from bottom at 218. Colorado has lost 10 of 13. They can score a little bit. Eighth in the league at 190. Granted, that's got a lot to do with how they play at Coors Field. They're awful on the road with just five wins. It's at an over-under of seven and a half. I'm going over tonight and probably all series. I'll take the bucks on the run line to win at plus 160. The value is better there than it is at minus 137 to just win straight. But we'll talk about all these topics with Mark Madden next. It is our Madden Monday podcast right here, brought to you by Bett Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. It is the Pittsburgh CityCast. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is a Madden Monday here on Trib Live, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to BetRivers.com. You can hear Mark Madden from the Rivers Casino on Fridays. You can read him in the Tribute Review four times a week. And one thing that will be top of mind in his show on Monday, as it is throughout the course of the Trib, as you look at Breakfast with Ben's, as you look at Seth Rorba's Penguins coverage, the decision to keep Ryan Rust on board and Mark, a decision that was made, I think, a lot easier based on what Russ decided to sign for. Were you surprised? Well, I'm going to have Brian Rust on my show at
0: 3:30 Monday, so there's that. I'll, I'll tell him I was surprised because I was and remain so. Uh, I think the Penguins probably got him to sign for about at least a million less per year than I figured. Maybe they uh, got him to come off what I thought he would want which is six million dollars per year maybe they got him to come a bit down from that uh based on giving him six years which is about the maximum term I thought he would get but I thought he was going to get six by six and some people thought he was going to get six by seven so yeah I am surprised I'm a bit surprised they prioritized him but maybe they thought he was the most signable of the big three free agents that the Penguins are going to see go on the market now only two malkin and Latang, so i am surprised pleasantly so i think the war of continuing to play with crosby um was was a big factor playing with crosby and Genslone, what's one of the best lines in hockey but then again tim stats on the rink don't make up for you know numbers in the checkbook so i i still remain a bit surprised as we talk about it out loud now what their game plan is next um uh, I don't know. I find it odd that Hextall's not even talked to the media since the season ended. I believe
1: he's supposed to you talk know, on Monday uh, at around 3 o'clock, I believe, is when he's supposed to speak.
0: Well, can't wait for, for those pearls of wisdom. Um, and, and you know, I wonder if he's going to be in charge in a couple weeks even, although the fact that this Russ deal got done kind of indicates that he will be. Doesn't guarantee it, but kind of indicates that he will be.
1: 5.125 million, 38. 30- plus over six. I think it's a really shrewd move, Mark, because if you don't sign Brian Rust, even with the money that you're going to have, if you don't keep Letang and Malkin too, you're probably going to have to pay about that much, if not more, for a top-line winger to play with Gensel and Crosby anyway. So why not keep a guy who knows how to play with those guys or at the very least, can be a second line forward if you keep Raquel or get somebody better?
0: No, I don't have a problem with it. And I also want to note that uh, if they sign Latang, I'm not predicting that, but that's the guy I would go after next if they intend on uh, retaining anybody else their free agents. If you sign Latang, you have basically the same team you had coming back uh, before Malkin got hurt. You know, the team that played you know, up until Malkin returned from his knee surgery. And I'm sorry, that team had better structure and I think actually played better. And that team was a playoff team without Malkin. So if your goal is to make sure you get in the playoffs, and I, I can't speak for Fenway Sports Group, but if that's your goal, retaining LeTang, which would be very expensive, but maybe you used that million you saved, you know, signing Rust at the rate he acquiesced to, Maybe now LeTang's more affordable. I don't know, but I do know it's a playoff team if you keep LeTang. I also know if they hadn't signed Jeff friggin' Carter to that deal, it would be nice to have that money to work with in pursuit of LeTang or Malkin, whatever they decide.
1: Yeah, to make things a heck of a lot easier. Now, Mark, is there an equivalent number? Is there you know, sort of this surprise, but it was able to get done number that existed for Rust? Do you have one in mind for either Malkin or Latang for them to bring back?
0: No. <laughs> I, I, I just don't think there's going to be as much interest in Malkin as Latang. I just don't think Malkin's as valuable as Latang. So, no, I really don't know. I mean, would I give Latang five by nine? Maybe, but probably not. But if you do, you make the playoffs. If you don't, turn you turn the page. I'm not sure what they should be looking at as a better direction whether to turn the page or to just try to limp into the playoffs. Because even if they get Latang, they're not going to win a round. I mean, I don't know how many times this team has to not win a round for us to conclude that they're not going to win a round.
1: Is Raquel worth trying to sign?
0: Depends what they do with the uh, other two. But uh, I think if you don't sign Latang, you have to prioritize a defenseman and free agency. And God knows how much anybody even... I don't know, half or 60% of what Latang brings. I don't know how much that guy costs.
1: What's Trocek worth, do you think, on the open market?
0: Six point five, seven a year. You know, I'd rather pay him that than Malkin that. Trocheck's a better 5-on-5 player. I don't know. One thing I'm sure about, I'm not sure if bringing LeTang back's the right move or the wrong move. I am sure bringing Malkin back's the wrong move. He's just shot 5-on-5.
1: Do you consider bringing him back at all more if he is perhaps destined to Washington? I know you've heard Dallas. Washington's been floated out there a little bit, too.
0: I don't care where he goes. You can't worry about that crap.
1: Is the best time possible to move on at this point?
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's shot. Five on five, he's just not a good player anymore. And maybe his knee didn't come all the way back. But if it didn't, maybe his knee will never come all the way back.
1: I want to go back to your point, Mark, that you made about Hextall, because I think it's a good one that, you know, for all the questions that we've had over how sold or not Fenway Sports Group is on him, that Russ deal getting done as quickly as it did, I agree with you. I think it's indicative that they're at least willing to keep him around. So maybe whatever he finally wrote down on paper after he got it out of his head was worth their time to read. Depends who did the deal with Rust. I mean... I'm assuming Hextall did. Maybe that's assuming too much. Yeah, unless there's a proxy GM in place. uh, And I don't know who that would be. And at this stage in the playoffs, I don't know how far along they would be in any sort of search for something like that. I just
0: can't believe Fenway, with their traditional desire for elite management, sees Ron Hextall as that.
1: Yeah, he doesn't strike me as being too overwhelming. And I, I don't know, you know, this is this is maybe as significant of a move as he's made so far to get rust on a good number.
0: Yeah, I think rust got rust at a good number.
1: His just desire to stay, you mean, and play with Crosby. Yes, I
0: I do think that. Rusty said that he wanted to get a deal done with Pittsburgh. That's the attitude he had, and uh, I believe him.
1: Mark, what else are you seeing hockey-wise in the playoffs? I mean, at the time we're speaking, taping this up, the Edmonton Oilers are out in front of the Flames. Uh, we'll see how that goes the rest of the night. But regardless of how tonight's game goes, I I can't stop watching Connor McDavid. Uh, there are just some things about him and his game that make me wonder if maybe this is his time.
0: Yeah, this is like his second coming on party. It's his playoff coming on party. Right now, he's doing just crazy-ass stuff at full
1: speed. Watching him with the puck... He does things on skates, movement-wise, you're not supposed to be able to. Mark, he cuts. Like, he cuts like Barry Sanders and he's on skates. He cuts and resumes
0: full speed immediately. He's doing stuff at full speed that I've not even seen
1: Sid do. He corners. And the other thing he does, I think one of the most unstoppable plays in sports is him on a wraparound. Or even faking a wraparound because the goalie has to be prepared for so much at once. He knows if he takes away the near post, he's gotta give it up quick and hurries to get back over, then opens himself up if he decides to stuff it short side. Or the threat of it is such that he squeezes off the post initially and then leaves the open shot on the far end of the of the net. I mean and the wraparound that he's got is fantastic anyway. Or he banks it off the goalie with because he's got reach, he's got torque. He comes in on a goaltender like that with the ability to wrap around the net It's the lights out just about every time.
0: Well, I'd love to see him and McKinnon in the conference final. I'd love to see him in Tampa in the Stanley Cup final because Tampa is showing Florida up for the frauds I always knew they were. If Tampa can sweep Florida and get rest between the second round of the conference final – they're going to get to the stanley cup final where they play carolina or the rangers and boy what a cataclysmic matchup that would be uh the two-time defending champions against mcdavid you know what it would be very much like tim back in the 80s when the islanders won four times in a row and finally lost to gretzky and the oilers and passed the torch
1: how are you feeling about the canes rangers series
0: i watched the game today it was like watching paint dry it was awful
1: yeah, I didn't expect all three games to go under so far. That surprised me in that series. I
0: just don't trust Carolina because they don't have stars. I think to win a Stanley Cup, you need at least one star who can take over a game once in a while. And as much as I respect Sebastian Ajo, I don't think he is that. Uh, I think the Rangers have that guy in Panarin, but I don't think they have enough else. But, but, uh, but you know, those, those two kind of cancel each other out. And I think the series is... Still up for grabs, but if you made me pick, I'd pick Carolina.
1: And I don't know how much of a star Chris Kreider is, but I know he's won this year.
0: Scoring goals. Yeah. He's a goal-scoring star, that's for sure, and that counts
1: for a lot. Mark, let's talk a little football here as minicamp gets underway or OTAs get underway on the south side for the Steelers. Um, A lot of discussion about how true of a competition it is between Trubisky and Pickett. I keep defaulting back to the saying of all things being equal, they're not. Pickett had 49 starts in college. He was the number 20 overall pick. He's going to be 24 years old. If it's a 50-50 race, then it's not. Pickett should be the starter. Although I do wonder how much that compressed schedule at the start of the year weighs on their minds because they'll never admit it, but I think they'll think about stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, they should start Pickett because as you said You know, with all his experience at Pitt, the 49 starts, and being drafted 20th, and being 24 years old, too, if he doesn't start right away, you've made the wrong pick. Then again, they might look at how tough the Steelers' schedule is early, offer Trubisky up as a sacrificial lamb, and then if they start out two and four, bring Pickett, you know, because then at at that point, you can put forth the proposal, you have nothing to lose, so why not? And then you go from there, and he's either the savior or he gets experience. The one fly in that ointment, I would hope that if they if they have that plan and Trubisky starts the season four and two instead of two and four, then they stick with Trubisky.
1: Of the many holes that still exist for the Steelers after free agency in the draft, what is the most fixable and what is the biggest hole that they have? Because those are two well, entirely... I don't know
0: that any are fixable, Tim. Who are you going to fix it with now?
1: Well, I think you can do a better job of finding another Melvin Ingram to be a third outside linebacker, and I think that's a pretty big hole that they got to fix.
0: I think they need a number two running back badly. I do too. Uh, Yes. And what's even worse is I don't think they think that. I think they're fine with who they got.
1: I would almost say
0: they think they think they're fine with who they got.
1: Well, they think they're fine with who they got because they think Benny Snell doesn't have to play very much, and I don't think they realize how lucky they got with using Najee Harris as much as they did and him staying as healthy as he did.
0: Uh, yeah, I I just if Najee gets hurt and Benny Snell has to be the regular, they're just screwed.
1: How do you feel about all this NIL stuff, Mark? This back and forth between Saban and Jimbo Fisher?
0: Ah, uh, they're two crooks pointing the finger at each other. If they they could they'd turn states evidence against each other at the same time, um, uh, you know the NIL stuff is the athletes finally getting theirs. It's finally. You know, college athletes, kids who've been exploited by a multi-billion dollar industry, getting what they should have been getting all along. The problem with NIL is it's out of control. It, it's it's not equal for each athlete in revenue-producing sports. It inflicts monetary star power on kids, and I'm not sure that's healthy. But if the NCAA, rather college football, because the two are different, if college football had just given athletes a stipend of like 50000 a year each, for football and
1: basketball, the revenue producing sports, then I'm not sure the athletes ever would have sought something like this. You no, know, it's a really good point. If they had just um, been, been more willing to bend. Let me cut you off. If they had just been fair in the first place. Right. It wouldn't have gotten to this. And then because they fought so ho- hard to hold on to everything, now they're holding on to nothing. <laughs> now it's out of control.
0: Yeah. And, and it'll never. You, it, what's going to happen is. People say it's going to create this great disparity in college football. Well, ding-dong, hello. There's already a great disparity in college football. The same teams make the playoffs every year. What I think this is going to do, it'll make the gap between top and the next level bigger. But it will allow a few teams to jump up to the top level.
1: I will say this too, Mark, about the transferring. A few more teams. Like the transferring of kids when it comes to chasing an IL money. Everybody wants to keep saying over and over again, it's good for the kids, it's great for the kids, it's good for the college athletes. Well, yeah, it is, unless you're the college athlete who stayed with a team or committed to a team and then all of a sudden saw Jordan Addison show up. Or, you know, you like you thought you were getting minutes at Georgetown and then they take Duquesne's top scorer and the top scorer from another mid-major and now all your minutes are gone. You know, so like... That, that's how I view it. I, I do think that there are, it's not all good for the college athletes. If you're one of the guys that's getting stuck, stepped in front of,
0: or, you know, well, like- yeah, but that that's
1: what happened when they weren't fair in the first place, when they didn't give them that stipend,
0: but the problem given that stipend, Tim would have been then the women want equal. And then maybe it is too much money because you know, the, the U S men's and women's soccer teams, they're not getting equal pay for equal work, except, They don't bring in equal revenue, and they're taking money away from the men to give to the women, but nobody dare protest.
1: When I think about that story, one thing that I always come back to is, especially like, you know, in the name of feminism and everything, isn't it a bit anti-feminist to say, okay, you need the men to pay you to be equal? Like, isn't that distasteful to some degree? It should be. Tim, it, Tim,
0: it's the same as the NBA having propped up the WNBA financially for years. To this day, it's still not self-sufficient. No, it as long, but... as, they, as long as they get the money, they don't care how it looks because due to due to political correctness, nobody looks too hard.
1: Yeah, I think the thing with the WNBA is to the NBA, it's a write-off and they do feel like they are cultivating more fans of the men's game by way of getting women in. Engaged in basketball, like they see that as a promotional tool, as much as anything. That's not akin to what's happening with the men and women soccer team and the cost dispersion. That that's not the same thing.
0: Well, as uh, the commissioner of the ABA said in the movie Semi Pro, oh <laughs> gee whiz, that sounds like a lot of fun, fair and all. But if if I were Christian Pelicic of the U.S. men's team, I'd say, hey, I'm not playing. You're taking money away from me to give to the women I'm not playing. But he dare not do that. And the argument is that the men make so much playing for their club teams. For example, Christian Pulisic with Chelsea. And the women don't make nearly as much with their club teams. They rely more on the income from the national team. But that has nothing to do with anything. It just doesn't.
1: No, it doesn't because you can't justify why you're getting paid more because somebody else is in a different venue. It's not the same thing.
0: Well, exactly, but that's that's what they say. It doesn't have to be fair for them to think it's fair. Does that does that make sense? They just want what they want, and they do it under the banner of fairness, but it's really not fair. It's not fair. It's preferential. They don't want fair. They want preferential.
1: Finally, Mark, I very much look forward to the Monday afternoon Bucko Roundup after 18 to four today at PNC Park. My God, Adam Wainwright shut him down. Paul Goldschmidt went four for four, and then Albert Pujols hit two bombs into the rotunda. What year is it? 2009.
0: Well, as I always uh, denigrate the Pirates for using position players to pitch, I think that looks so Bush League. What are they saving their pitchers for? The World Series? Be professional. (laughs) You know, use guys correctly, but, you know, I... I keep getting told, don't you know they're going to be great in five years? And you know what, Tim? If they are great in five years, it'll be back to this a couple years after that.
1: Mark, have you seen any on HBO, the George Carlin documentary yet?
0: No, no, but I'm sure I will. Tim, I'm surprised you haven't brought up the big story of the day. Which is what? Well, Liverpool needed to win the last game of the season. Uh And Man City needed to draw or lose to give Liverpool the title. Yeah. And Liverpool were tied 1-1 with Wolves and scored in the 85th minute and the 89th minute to win 3-1. And Aston Villa, managed by Liverpool's best player ever, Steven Gerrard, took a 2-0 lead over Man City. And then, unfortunately, Man City scored three goals in five minutes.
1: Oh, so it's like the Rangers game against the Penguins after Sidney Crosby went out.
0: (laughs) That's certainly a lovely way to put it, yes. Very very reminiscent, but it was... uh, And the games were being played at exactly the same time, which is tremendous drama. Right. But but the endings still suck. Now I guess we just have to win the Champions League final on Saturday. And might I add, in the name of uh, everything that can go wrong going wrong, uh, one of our top midfielders, Thiago, blew out his hamstring today and will not be available for the Champions League final.
1: Well, good. Well, maybe people then at Fenway Sports Group will be pissed because Liverpool didn't win the title. And uh, they'll just focus more on the Penguins and try to make them better for next year. That's how I can spin this.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to win the title,
1: Tim. That's not helping. <laughs> Mark Madden from 105.9 The X. Listen to him three until six. Read him four times a week. And oh, one other thing, Tim. Yeah. How about the great weekend Tiger Woods had? Oh, I forgot about Tiger in the PGA. Yeah, what was he? Uh, ten over, right?
0: He was way over, <laughs> and then he pulled out. Didn't play in the fourth round. I'm a back, and uh, or his leg or whatever. But you, you know who he is, Tim. See if you, what do you think of this comparison? All right. He's Willie Mays with the Mets. He's Michael Jordan with the Wizards.
1: He had no other bad team to go to to blame it on as a backdrop. He's just him, and he's fading away. Yeah, and you know, he can play if
0: he wants. My big objection is, I'm going to talk about this at length on my program. My big big complaint is, if he wants to play, that's fine. But he shouldn't be the focus of coverage if he's in last place. He shouldn't be the lead in every update if he's in last place. That's just not good for anybody except trying to squeeze ratings out artificially and if that's the name of the game you're not in the reporting business anymore you're entertainment tonight
1: so my thanks to mark madden you can get that interview with brian rusty referenced at wxdx.com brian metzer the pittsburgh penguins radio network joins me to talk about what ron hextall had to say this afternoon and we'll talk about the rest of the playoffs as well that is coming your way here on the CityCast tomorrow. Mike Pursuta later in the week, and we'll wrap up in advance of Memorial Day weekend and get you set for the holiday. Lots of baseball and hockey to be gambled on between now and then. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, again, brought to you by BetRivers. Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com.